Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Let's give them a big elevation welcome today. We hope you choose to join and be part of our family. There's another saying that we have at Elevation, and that saying is, we're better together. Come on, say it with me. We're better together. And I really, truly believe that. Life is better when you're doing it with someone else. Your walk with Christ is always going to be more strengthened and stronger if you're doing it in community with other people. And also, I really believe that church is better together in person. Can I get an amen? So it's good to be back today here with you. But you know what? The last three weeks, four weeks have been an interesting period of time for us. And I know families have been going through things and different things have been happening. But I want to give praise and honor to God this morning that He has been with us. He has been so faithful to stand with us. And I've been hearing amazing stories of God moving in people's lives as my wife Gabby was just sharing and prayers being answered, people being healed uh, physically, mentally, emotionally, uh, uh, just all kinds of things God doing. Uh, Gabby was sharing about a couple that purchased a house and it's just been amazing. Businesses that people have started during COVID that are flourishing. And so church, we need to be reminded constantly that God is good. God is good and He is with us. He's been faithful to stand with us. His love that He has given us, His, His blessings that He has poured out upon us, the strength that He is to us in our times of need. And so church, please, let's not just think of church as being a Sunday event. Let's remember it's a daily walk with God and it's a daily process of thanksgiving and praise to all that He is doing. So I want us to do something right now. I'm going to pray, but I want us to stand together as a church. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to praise and give God some thanks today. And I want you to do with it, you to do it with me today. Lord Jesus, we just thank you today that we're here in this place. We've come to meet with you. But we just give you praise and glory, God, for all you've done in our lives over these last weeks and months and even year. God, you've been so good And so, Jesus, we just thank you this morning, and we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. You can be seated today. Uh, We've been in a series on and off, because we were in a series of Legacy, and then we paused it for a little while. But we've been doing a series in the last six or so weeks called Legacy. And Legacy is about passing on things of lasting value to someone who will follow us. And that's what we're about here at Elevation Church. But you know, the greatest legacy as followers of Jesus that we can leave to anyone is not something, but someone. And that someone is Jesus Christ. And so our legacy is to leave a relationship with Jesus Christ with someone else. And not only that, but also to tell them about how great and mighty is our God. And there's been a key passage of Scripture that we've been looking at front and center uh, during this series. And it is Psalm 145, verse 4. And it says this, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. And so I pray that over this season and continuing in the seasons ahead of us in life, that you continually give God praise and you continually declare His mighty acts to the people around you. And so today we're going to continue our series on legacy and uh, see how God is doing mighty acts 
in our lives. Turn to someone and say, I'm glad to be in church this morning. I'm glad to be here as well. Hey, one of the favorite things, my youngest, Roman, who is four, I've got three children, Joel, who is 14, Ethan, who is 12, and Roman, who is four. And uh, one of the favorite things that my youngest, Roman, likes me to do is to read him a story at bedtime. And I don't know whether it's because he actually likes the stories or he's trying to delay having to go to sleep. But, you know, we'll talk about that another time. But he loves me to read him stories. And there's a collection of books that we have, children's books that we have, uh, called the Little Golden Book Classics. And I'm not sure if anyone is familiar with these books, but, but I, I brought some of them along today. I think there might be some uh, yeah, on the screen behind me. These books, the Little Golden Books. And um, uh, if you want to buy these books, they're going to be at the front. I'm just, I started reselling, uh, no, I'm joking, um, but there's these books, and, and I love them, like the pokey little puppy, I, I went through and picked my favorite ones, uh, Scuffy the tugboat, the saggy baggy elephant, uh, but then my favorite one is the little red caboose, the little red caboose, and, and I was actually reading it this week, and like, I got a little emotional about the little red caboose. You know, like, he's just, he's just like, you read the story, yeah? And there's the big engines. There's the box and the oil and the coal and the flat cars. And, and everyone comes out and watches them pass by. And then there's the little red caboose. And, and everyone's always gone by the time he comes past. And the little red caboose in the story, he kind of feels insignificant compared to everyone else. He feels like his part, well, he doesn't know what his part is to play in the train, this train that he's part of. And, and I was thinking about it this week, and I thought to myself, has anyone ever felt like the little red caboose? Like, you're not really sure what your part in life is. You're not really sure the significance that you're having in this great train of life that we live in. And you're thinking to yourself, you know, what is my part to play? What is my role? And the, the Little Red Caboose, it's a simple story and it's childlike in the way that it's told. But I actually think that there's some great insights that we can learn from it today. And uh, don't worry, we're going to be looking at the Bible this morning. I'm not just preaching out of the Little Red Caboose, okay? I saw some worried faces there. Don't, this is a Bible-believing church. We believe that wholeheartedly. You know, a lot of us can view life in this matter. We actually look at life and we might feel insignificant or feel like we're the little, uh, little red caboose, that we're part of the big train of life, but our role seems insignificant. And there's a story in the Bible which I want us to look into today where it's a little bit like that. There's a character in this story that has a small part it seems in the story, but actually it's a large part that he plays. And it's a story that I believe we can gain some insights into how God calls us as a church individually to live a life of legacy. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of Mark. And Mark is a book in a collection of books called the Gospels. And the Gospels are the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they talk about and tell the story of Jesus Christ. They describe the miracles he did. They tell the parables that he taught. They describe the people that he did life with and how he went to the cross and how he died for us. And of all the miracles that Jesus did, there is only one miracle that is told in all four of the Gospels. And so today, that's the story and that we're going to look at. And I think that there's something important 
that we can learn. So Mark chapter 6, verse 30, and let's begin. It says this, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Earlier in chapter, uh, in Mark 6, verse 7, it describes Jesus sending out his disciples to go out on a mission trip, you might say, or to go out and preach the gospel. And so then here in Mark 6.30, we see the apostles returning and describing to Jesus all that's happened, all that they've done. They talk about how they preached the, the message of repentance. They talked about how they cast out demons and did all these things in Jesus' name. And then uh, they come back and report to him. And then Jesus, he does something really important. He says, hey, let's take some time out to go and rest. Let's go together as disciples and rest. And I think it's a great example for us in life today that we live in, that sometimes there are times where we need to go out and take rest. And maybe someone, you won't get anything out of this message except for maybe this small point. Take time to rest in God. See, in the busyness of life, we need to not, it's not taking time to go on a holiday. It's not time to, taking time to do a stay, staycation, which is all great. The greatest place you're going to find renewal in your life is in God. And so take time to renew your soul in God. Just pause your day. See, resting in God doesn't mean you have to take two days off or a week. Pause your day. Just take a moment during the day and say, God, I need the rest that is provided by the Holy Spirit right now. I need you to come upon my life. Continues on to verse 32. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and already very late. Send the people away so that we can go to the surrounding countryside, so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, You give them something to eat. They said to him, That would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go? And spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat. Here's Jesus. He's gathered his disciples and they've gone across uh, the lake and they're, and they're trying to find rest. They're trying to renew themselves, their spirit, their soul. And yet we see that the crowds won't allow Jesus to rest. They're chasing after him. They're following him. And I wonder if anyone has ever felt like that. Uh, I don't mean having adoring fans. That don't let you rest because it's probably not the reality for most of us. But maybe you've got, you know, crying children. Or maybe you've got a, a, a high-pressured boss that's pressuring you. Or maybe you're getting pestered by telemarketers on the phone or, or whatever it might be, a friend who's always in crisis and you're the first person they call. You know, like just everyone, no one will give you rest. Well, I love the way that Jesus responds to the crowds. It says he had compassion on them compassion seeing where someone is at and being concerned for their situation Jesus had compassion on them so Jesus does what Jesus does best 
He prays for them. He heals them. He teaches them. He loves them. And did you know that 2,000 years have passed, but the crowds are still pressing on the Jesus? And today, we, you and I, we're part of that crowd, and we're pressing into Jesus. And today, Jesus continues to do what he does best, prays for us, teaches us, loves us, pours his Holy Spirit out for us, has compassion for us. And that's the response of Jesus. But when I look at my own life, sometimes I don't always respond this way. It's not always my response. In fact, my response is often like the disciples. Come on, Jesus, send them away. Like, it's getting late in the day. I thought we came to this area because there's that new cafe that opened and we we're going to get some eggs, Benny, and a smash avocado. Like, like, these crowds, send them away. Let them go find their own food. Jesus, let's just do what we're here to do. Send them away. But instead of doing this, Jesus, he says something else. He says, you feed them. You feed them. In another uh, book of the Gospels, the collection of books called the Gospels, the book of John, it records like this in John 6, 5 and 7. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Verse 7, Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Philip is like my children. He's always giving answers to questions I'm not asking. And Philip is like us. In life and with God, we sometimes give the right answer to the wrong question. Yes? See, Jesus asked where they could buy bread to feed the multitudes. And Philip responds with, Jesus is going to cost too much. But that's not what Jesus asked. Jesus didn't ask how much it was going to cost. He asked where they could buy some bread. And there's something important that we need to get a hold of this morning, church as followers of Jesus. And there's this, we're looking at how much something's going to cost us when Jesus is looking at the miracle he's about to do. See, I didn't read it out, but in verse 6 of John it says, but Jesus already knew or Jesus already had a plan of what he was going to do. We're looking at the cost, he's looking at the miracle. And as we approach Legacy Sunday next week, as we bring our legacy off, we need to keep that in mind. There's a cost. There's a sacrifice. I know that. I live that too along with you. But can we be reminded that there's a miracle waiting on the other side of obedience to God? There's a miracle that God is wanting to do in our church. He's wanting to do in our community. He's wanting to do in our families if we would be obedient to Him because God is in the business of miracles. This is where the story really starts to get interesting uh, if we continue into verse 8 from John 6. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go amongst so many? Five barley loaves, two fish. I mean, whoever packed this kid's lunch, I don't know. Like, doesn't sound very nice to me, but, but maybe that's because I don't like seafood. But, and five barley loaves and two fish. But how far will they go with so many? The little red caboose, it tells the story of how, and I said this earlier, how everyone would remember the engines, the boxcars, oil and coal cars, the flat cars, but everyone forgot the red caboose. I mean... I could turn to the page and it's a very sad page, you know. They always forget about the little red caboose. And this boy 
He's a little bit like the little red caboose. See, he's only mentioned in one account of this story of feeding the 5,000. The other apostles, the other people who wrote the other gospels didn't think he was significant enough to write about. Yet in John, he thinks that he is and he writes about him. See, without the boy, the story doesn't happen. See, without the boy, there's no miracle recorded. And without you, I want to let you know today, Elevation Church isn't what it is. Because you are the church. See, without you, we're not who we could be in God. And I want to let you know that you're loved. You're cared for. We need you. You're needed. God has a reason for you to be here. As I was reading through this story and doing some research, the thought hit me. I wonder if the disciples had any food. Like, they knew they were going on this little trip to take some time out to rest. And there's a a great chance that they themselves had their own food, their own lunch, their own dinner that they were carrying. And perhaps there were 12 lots of food and yet nowhere, and I know the scriptures don't say it, but indulge me, nowhere does it report them offering what they had to meet the need. These are the same men and women and people and apostles and disciples and followers of Jesus who just earlier in Mark 6 had been out preaching the gospel, casting out demons, preaching repentance, doing things in Jesus' name. And yet when it comes time for faith to arise, it's not the disciples or the apostles that step up to the plate. It's a little boy with five loaves of barley loaves and two fish that steps up in faith. See, in faith, he gives what he has. And, and why is it? Why does this little boy give what he has? It's because he sees a need, he hears of the need, and he acts on that need. Like Jesus, he has compassion for the situation. He knows it's not much, but he knows who he's giving it to. He's giving this food to Jesus. He's giving it to the miracle maker, the son of God, the beginning and the end, our savior, Jesus Christ. And I wonder today how many men and women we have here with faith like this boy. A faith that says, God, I will step out when you call me to in obedience to see you move in my life, to see you move in the community around us. A faith that says, God, let us see you do the great things that you have planned, greater and bigger than we could ever have imagined possible. Mark 6, 39, the story continues on. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking five loaves and the two fish and, break, and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was five. I mean, was there ever any doubt that Jesus was going to come through with an amazing miracle to feed these people? Was there ever any doubt? And I I, I say someone needs to give Jesus some praise this morning in this place for what he's done. If you're taking notes today, just some quick thoughts for you. Write these down. Number one, never judge your problems in light of your own resources. 
The disciples, they're looking around at what they've got and they're like, we don't have enough. Forgetting that standing right next to them is the creator of the heavens and the earths, the Lord God Almighty next to them. And we're the same. We can look at our problems and then we can look at what is in our hand, finances, abilities, opportunities. And we might see an impossible situation, but we need to remember Jesus not only met the need, he exceeded the need. See, he exceeded their need and and he's still doing it today. He not only meets our needs, he can exceed our needs And today in this place, if you need God to bring a miracle in your life, in your finances, your relationships, your health, I want to let you know God is more than able to do more than you can believe or ask for. But can I just say that we need to be reminded that our greatest need that we have in our lives is the area of someone to do something about our sin. And Jesus has already done something about that. See, Jesus died for the greatest need that we have, forgiveness of sins. But he didn't just stop there. See, on the cross, when he died, when he was buried and rose again, when he ascended to heaven, he didn't just give us forgiveness of sin. No, he restores our relationship with God. He sends his Holy Spirit to indwell and empower our lives. He wins. He gives us victory over death. The Bible says that we will live forever. He gives us eternal life and promises heaven to us. See, he's, our need was great, but he exceeded our need. Because Jesus doesn't just meet needs, he exceeds our needs. Number two, put yourself in position for God to do something big. Why was this boy chosen? What was so special about this boy that only he was the one who, who gave food. I mean, he's, he's a, a young boy, a little boy. What, what's so special about him? It's because he was near to Jesus. He was close enough to hear what was happening. This tells me this, that proximity is more important than we realize. Jesus says this in Matthew 6.33, But seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. See, church today, don't seek things, seek someone. And don't just seek anyone, seek God and his kingdom. And the Bible says all these other things will be added to to you. See, seek to be led by the Holy Spirit. Seek God to say, God, let me love what it is that you love. God, let me have the desires that you have for the people around me. See, Jesus loves people. So we ought to love people and seek to love like Jesus does. Seek to be close to Jesus. Put yourself in the right place at the right time. You know, often we use that statement as like, that person just got lucky. But no, you know what? In the things of Jesus, it's not you get lucky because you're in the right place at the right time. You're there because you positioned yourself to be near to God and what He's wanting to do in His church and through your life. So for me, being in the right place at the right time means every Sunday, Regardless of whether I'm the pastor or not, I'm at church. That's a priority. I'm in the right place, positioned for God to do a miracle in my life, to use me, to use the people around me to do something. It means every day I'm asking the Holy Spirit to lead me, to speak to me. This is not just something that pastors do. This is something that all believers of Christ do in their lives. Jesus, Holy Spirit, I want to be led by you. I want to be positioned to be used by you. I want to be near Jesus. There's an interesting thing in this story. People had a great need for food, but guess who had no need for food? 
the little boy. He had no need for a miracle. He had his food. He was right. He was good. His mom had packed his lunch. He was all good. Like he had no need for a miracle. And yet, because he was nearby to Jesus, God was able to do a mighty miracle in the community around him. Even though he didn't need it, he was able to be used. And maybe today that's you. Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, my life is good. Things are going well for me. I don't need a miracle. But maybe the miracle is not for your life. Maybe the miracle is for someone sitting next to you. Maybe for someone you know, a work colleague, someone you love, a friend, a family member, and he's going to do it through you. But you have to be positioned close by and nearby to God. So you hear his promptings, you hear his, 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 his speaking into your heart. He's going to do something amazing in you. If the keys could come, that would be great. And then thirdly, accept God's invitation to participate. Accept God's invitation to participate. I want to let you know something today that might blow your minds. And so just just like at this moment, just get yourself into a place where you're like, I'm not going to let my, my head explode. This is going to blow my mind, but I'm going to make sure it doesn't blow up. You know, like the little emoji that we've got. Here's what it is. You ready? Are you ready, church? Jesus didn't need the five loaves or the fish. Jesus... My wife's head just exploded. Jesus didn't need the five loaves and the two fish. Like, come on, if we believe that he's the creator of the universe, and we do, do you think that he needed a boy to give him five loaves of bread and fish to perform a miracle? He materialized all this from his thoughts and his spoken word. He spoke it into being. He could have spoken that food into being. I mean, he could have spoken McDonald's into being back then 2,000 years ago if he really wanted to. Like he's, he's the creator of the universe. He didn't need the disciples, didn't need the boy, didn't need the crowds. And yet God invites them to participate in the miracle that he's about to perform. God invites them to be part of the spreading of the gospel message. He invites them to participate in the work of the mission of Jesus Christ. And today, Jesus is inviting us to participate in the amazing work that He wants to do. The amazing thing that He has called us today. Today, Jesus invites us to be part of the miracle He wants to do in our church, our lives, and our community. The question is, will we say yes? Will we accept Jesus' invitation? Will we accept Him and say, yes, God, I want to join with you in seeing you do something mighty in the world around me. I want to see you do something bigger and greater. Not that it makes me bigger and greater, but your name would be magnified, that you would receive all the praise and glory. The greatest invitation Jesus ever gives us is to accept Him as our Lord and Savior. And today I'm going to give an invitation shortly to you for you to do that if you've never done that. Next Sunday, it's our legacy offering. And when we looked at what we believe God wants us to leave a legacy, and we looked at our, our, our heart, our home, and our hand, and, and Pastor Gabby talked about those areas, and we looked at where we believe God is leading us as a church to be involved in our community and to what He wants us to do with inside our church as well. We, we, we felt God saying, these are the areas. And so when we were obedient to God about those things and tallied all those things up. As Gabby said, it came to a, a, a tally of $45,000.
And you know, we can have two responses when it comes time for, for us to give above and beyond. We can have two responses when it comes to our legacy offering. See, we can have the first response, uh, similar to the story that we just read about, the fight, feeding of the 5,000. The first response we can have is to be like the disciples and say, it's going to cost too much, Jesus. It's going to cost too much. Or we can be like the little boy who said, all I have, I give. All I have, I give to you, Jesus. What's in my hand, I give to you. And today, I want to say, I want to be like the boy. I mean, I mean, the apostles did amazing things and they went out and planted churches. And man, we wouldn't be here today without them. But in this moment, in this story, it's a young boy with faith. And I want to be a man today that has faith like this boy. And I, I want us to be a church. I want you in your life. I want you, if, if you're married, in your marriage. I want you, if you have a business, in your business. I want you and your health to be like this, to have faith, to say, God, you can do more than I can believe or even imagine. God, I want to have the same heart attitude as a young boy moved with compassion, saw the need, heard the need, met the need. See, we may be like, we may be out in life, we're, we're the big engine, you know, maybe we're the big engine, the big black engines, maybe we're the box cars or the oil cars or the coal cars or the flat cars or may, maybe we're the little red caboose. But we all have a significant part to play. See, the little red caboose, no one knows what his role is, no one knows what his job is until one day they're going up a big mountain and the engine's not powerful enough to get them up the, up the, up the mountaintop. And if you read the story, you know the story. But he, if you haven't, you're going to learn about the little red caboose. And so they're going up that mountaintop and they don't have enough power and they start to slip. And they're like, well, okay, see you later. The little red caboose, nah, not on my watch, guys. Not on my watch. And I didn't even know what a red caboose is. I've seen it in Western movies. But he's got this little thing on his engine, on his little car there. And he puts the brakes on. The little red caboose is essentially the brakes of the train. He puts the brakes on. He plays his part. And then what happens? These two other engines coming alongside him. It's an amazing picture that we do our part. And then other people come around us, come alongside us. Gabby and I, as we lead in this church, we're not there by ourselves. Other people come alongside us and help us to do it. In your life, when you're doing what you're doing, other people come alongside you and help you. Together, we're better. We're better together as a church. We're better together as Christians and followers of Jesus. And as we bring our offering, we're not going to look at our resources. As we bring our offering, we're going to position ourselves for God to do something big. As we bring our offering, we're going to accept His invitation to participate. Today, if you want to close your, your eyes, you know, there's lives awaiting a legacy moment. There's a moment in your life where you had a legacy moment, where you, someone told you about Jesus Christ. You gave your life to Him. In that moment, it changed the legacy of your life forever. Eternity was changed. There's people out there waiting for us to do the same thing for them and to come alongside them, to let them know about Jesus. And there's lives waiting for a legacy moment. And God has called Elevation Church alongside so many other great churches out there. God has called this church. The church is not a name in lights, it's not a building. It's not a pastor. Church is you. God has called you to change the legacies of people's lives. God, today, I can't wait to see what it is you're going to do 
through us and in us, in our own lives, in our church, God, as we come in faithfulness before you. Jesus, today, if there are people here, Lord God, and maybe their lives, they feel like the little red caboose. They feel like, wow, what's my part to play? Or maybe they feel like the disciples, God, it's going to cost too much. Jesus, I just pray in this place right now, they, they're receiving impartation from your Holy Spirit, a revelation of who they are, a revelation of who you are, God. Lord Jesus, you've called them for such a time as this. Jesus, you've brought them here for a purpose and a reason. God, I thank you that every one of us has a part to play in the body of Christ.